Okay, let's do it. Xavier falls in the Big East Championship 65-51 to to Marquette. Pretty shocking results back-to-back days. Yesterday, you're on top of the world. Musketeers play unbelievably well and smack Creighton around. And then tonight, just didn't have it at all. Right from the get-go, they were out of this one. Never really had a chance after the first eight or so minutes, and they fall to Marquette. Before we get all doom and gloom, though, here would be my big takeaway. If I'm a Xavier fan right now, I feel a lot more confident about this team after the last two days. These two games, the game against Creighton and the game against Marquette, do not cancel each other out to me. And here's why. They aren't playing three games in three days again. They're not playing this Marquette team, which presents matchup problems for them, again. This game right here was one of those perfect storm games, and a lot of the elements that made it that way won't happen again in the next few weeks for Xavier. However, yesterday's performance, now that showed a certain upside against a quality opponent that if I was a fan, that would make me say, hmm, maybe this team still has a similar ceiling without Zach Freeman as it did with him. And so that's my big takeaway from this weekend is that I'm more confident about this team going forward into the NCAA tournament now without Zach Freeman than otherwise. And with that being said, we've already got some people loaded up, three of you ready to get in here and talk some Xavier hoops. So let's go straight to the calls. We'll start out with our guy, Jerome Hunter Fan Club. Jerome, how are we? Hey, first and foremost, all thanks and praise to our Lord and Savior, Jerome Hunter. Amen. Can, can, Rick, can I put in my milkshake order? Uh, you want cookies and cream? So I, I would prefer a caramel cone crunch, white milk with a splash of bleach. Would you like to, for me to send a toaster up to your hotel room as well while you pour a bath? Yeah, yeah, any anything to speed up the process. Thank you very much. Anything that gets me to 6 o'clock tomorrow is all I need. I need something to make me just re- forget this. Well, I mean, I guess the good news is, at the end of the day, this game matters from a pride perspective. It's awesome to win it. But there's no real consequence for not winning it. I mean, maybe... You had the chance of being in the conversation for a three seed. You made it a lot more interesting, I think, if you win this game. But ultimately, you went in thinking you were going to be a four seed almost regardless. And you're probably going to be a four seed tomorrow. There's no chance of you slipping to a five. The only thing that could possibly happen is we'd get shocked by Xavier somehow still being a three seed. So it's like, I mean, it sucks. Tonight sucks and a missed opportunity. And the fact that they are only two times in the Big East Championship game, they've gotten blown out and haven't really had a chance in either one. That sucks. But ultimately, I mean, I think I'd still be pretty excited about where this team is at heading into next week. No, you're you're absolutely right. And to be if we're going to be honest, I, you can make the argument that losing this game close is probably a lot worse than losing this game in a blowout. I my my question to you, I want to know is, do you think it was do you think the problem was that Marquette just was elite on defense or was it more? of the fact that we couldn't get a single shot off. I mean, I, I can't – I don't even know if it's ever been happened where Booms got no field goals in an entire game. I mean, Cesar and Tucker combined outscored Boom tonight. Yeah, I, I think Sule looked pretty 
dead out there. And obviously you heard Sean talk about how he's been dealing with an illness. You heard him hacking up a lung during last night's postgame press conference. I mean, he goes 0 for 9, 0 for 5 from three-point range, just one point in 24 minutes. They're obviously able to get him out of there for a lot of the second half after the game was in hand already. That played a big role in it. But also, you got to give some credit to Marquette here. They had a great game plan. They took Xavier out of their flow game, their ball screen offense. They denied a lot of entry passes. They had a good plan for how they were going to defend Jack Nungy inside. And when you only have Jack Nungy to worry about, you don't have that threat at the forward position. No offense to your fan club, but Jerome Hunter isn't the same threat that Zach Fremantle is for them. They match up pretty well with Xavier on that end of the floor, and they showed that there tonight. They had a really great game plan. They executed it to perfection over the first 10 minutes of this game. And after that point, it really didn't matter what happened. I ha- I absolutely agree. You know, and like I said, no, I think Marquette played obviously lights out, but I, you know, I guess the one saving grace was that I think it was anonymously and just the fact that we couldn't get a single thing to go down. So if I'm, if I'm a Xavier fan, which I can confirm, I am a Xavier fan. You take this loss, you throw it out the window and you go into Sunday, remembering the fact that we haven't been able to have a Sunday like this in four years. We haven't been able to sit on our couch and know for certainty that we are going to be have our name on the screen. So we forget about what happened here. We hope that we get picked ninth next year in the coaches poll, because obviously that's the, the cheat code, you know, just being the underdog is obviously the cheat code. And we're all good. We're going on a deep run. No one can stop us. Let's go X. That's all I got to say. Thank you, Rick. All right, Jerome. Thank you. All right, let's take it to uh, Ryan now. Ryan, what do you got for us? Hey, Rick. Um, yeah, no, uh, I I mean, I tried to call in last night. I don't know what the problem was with all that. But, you know, first things first, I, I can't believe where I went an entire Big East championship and Gus calling the game, and I couldn't even hear one. The X-Men, and that's just one you know. Uh, it's, it's, here's here's my question, and, I mean, obviously, you know, with the Sule comments of him being a little bit under the weather, I get that. It's just there's a reason Tyler Kolick right now is the biggest player of the year and clearly the best player. I mean, he goes out, and on a bad game, he doesn't have zero points. I mean, the same thing goes with Colby Jones tonight. I mean, it's just it's just really tough to watch two leaders of a team and and that's the performance you kind of have. On top of the fact that this is Sule's biggest game he's had in his entire basketball career, and it just I you know I, I kind of feel sad for the guy. It just really is it, sad. But you know, here, here's my question, Rick. I, I just I mean I I guess the question is when we get to the tournament next week. I mean, can we afford to have one guy have an off night? Because last night was absolutely fantastic. Everybody's on top of the world because nobody really expected us to win, and they did. But now it's like, okay, we get into next week, and if we draw a bad matchup and good bad defense, I mean, I don't even know what the question is. I'm just kind of really frustrated with how that went tonight. Just wasted two hours, but you know, I guess you guys lighten me up. All right, Ryan, you're you're breaking up pretty bad here. I uh, I think we got the gist of your. Your thoughts uh, sounds like a lot of frustration setting in and and maybe some concern as well. So uh, appreciate you checking in. Maybe if you get a better inter- internet connection later on, uh, uh, go ahead and a- come back in with your question. But like I was saying before, I feel very confident that Xavier will be a four seed tomorrow when we watch the selection show. 
Um, I don't think there's much question at this point at all. Had they won that game tonight, then maybe we have a conversation about who's going to be a three seed. And I think you got a pretty good argument for Xavier. But as things stand, especially with the way the selection committee tends to ignore conference tournaments for the most part, I don't think we're going to see any movement there. And they're definitely not sliding down to a five seed. So there's nothing to worry about from that perspective. I think one thing that's kind of overlooked tonight, Shaka Smart and this Marquette team, you have to be impressed with what he did in the offseason. This is a guy who's been a defensive-minded coach for his entire career, and it's always been about grind it out, be as tough as you possibly can, make it difficult for the other team to score, and then put together whatever you can on offense after that. And he completely flipped his mindset. He went out and talked to other coaches, got help from other coaches from other levels, a Division II guy, I think an NBA G League guy, an international guy, all that were known for their innovative offensive styles, playing a faster, more wide-open approach, kind of similar to what Xavier's doing a little bit this year on the offensive end. And it's basically now an offense that's all predicated on making reads, creating long closeouts for the defense, creating empty side ball screens for Tyler Kolek to just torture defense and carve you up with. They play maybe the most fun style of offense in all of college basketball now. And Shaka's teams used to be difficult to watch. They used to be ugly. He goes and he changes his philosophy on offense. He can still clearly coach a team up defensively, as we saw tonight. And now all of a sudden you're dealing with a team that feels like a legitimate threat nationally. Not just within the conference, not just to be competitive, but a team that could actually make a real run. I couldn't be more impressed with the job that he's done. I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. All right, let's go back to your guys' calls. Xavier Nation to get in here. Let's go to Xavier Nation. I also see Musketeer Musings has requested in. If you want to get in, make sure you uh, hit the button down there at the bottom of your screen. Xavier Nation, unmute yourself. What's going on? Hey, Rick, can you hear me? I got you. Hey, well, uh, obviously not not the outcome we were hoping for tonight, but still a good trip to New York. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, Dayton is playing tomorrow, you know, your favorite city in the world in, in their conference championship game. I feel like they if they were to win, they'd be somewhere on the 13 line. Wanted to get your thoughts on what if you think the committee would probably put that 4-13 matchup against the Flyers. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think there is any doubt about it. If they have the opportunity to match up Xavier and Dayton, they're going to take that opportunity. There is no question about it. Now, I don't know. I have not paid close enough attention to Dayton. Is that true that they will likely be a 13 seed? I don't know. I mean, they're they're nowhere near making it at large right now. Right. I guess they would be 13 or maybe even a 14. But um, based on their profile, I don't think there's any way they would be a 12. And VCU's right around that range. So I would think they would be just a tick behind them if they were to win tomorrow. Wow. Which hopefully they don't because, you know, screw UD. But. Good call. I mean, that's a storyline that I just hadn't even started to think about or look at yet. There's no question about it, right? If the selection committee gets that opportunity, they love rivalry storylines. They love old rivalries. They love regional matchups. They love any types of connections that they can get like that. Any type of storyline that they can use for TV purposes, they love to use those. Hey, it's a good opportunity to break out the blue Big East uh, Q-zips. So hopefully if it happens, we can 
kick their ass again like we do. Do we think Mario's already put in an order for him? <laughs> I'm serious about that. Do we think I mean, Mario's just put in a preemptive order from Nike like, hey, we might need five of these quarter zips for our entire staff next week? I, I feel like Mario's always like 12 steps ahead of everybody else. So if anybody would have thought to do that, you know, weeks ago before anybody else, it would be him. So it wouldn't shock. Yeah, me. even better. He, he doesn't have to put the order in because he has five of them already just sitting in a closet somewhere prepared for any time the, the rematch comes up. <laughs> I sure hope so, because that would be I mean, you know, if, if they beat him, if that happens, they beat him soundly and they wear those out there. Man, that that's just like couldn't think of anything. Do you better. want that matchup as a Xavier fan? <sighs> man, it would be a lot of anxiety leading up to it, because, I mean, if if God forbid you lose that, that's worst case scenario i mean the only thing worse would be losing to uc in the tournament but uh it would be fun i mean but stressful as hell well you have just added another layer to the show tonight so that now becomes another topic that we need to hear about people do you want xavier to potentially face dayton in the 413 game in the first round of the ncaa tournament how are you guys feeling about that xavier nation appreciate the call We'll move on to uh, Musketeer Musings here. Musketeer Musings, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, Rick? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good, thanks. Um, So my question, obviously, Sean's done a fantastic job this year. Um, I think about midway through the year, though, Xavier was ranked pretty similarly in Ken Palm. How much of the improvement from last year do you think is due to X's and O's, and how much do you think is just strictly a motivation factor? Well, I think there's one other piece that we need to talk about, and that's obviously Sule Boom. I mean, you take the core group from last year, you add a go-to all-Big East first-team point guard, which is not only were they lacking a point guard and playmaker, but also a guy that's willing to step up in those end-of-game situations, be the focal point of the offense, all things that were storylines for last year's teams and things that they lacked. So finding Sule Boom, coaching him up the way they have, using him the way they have, that's been a big part of it. Then I think the way that Sean Miller has ran this offense, and part of that is discipline, getting guys to buy into the right roles for them that's going to make them most successful and also make the team most successful, and then also changing up a little bit of what the priority is on offense. In other words, not slinging as many threes, not swinging the ball around the perimeter as much, but really being more forceful about attacking the lane, getting paint touches, getting the ball on high lows to the big men, creating switches from the defense and then attacking those mismatches when you get the switch, like a a small guarding a big or a big guarding a small. They've been much better about those things this year. So, like, is it – the fact that they're running a bunch of crazy new set plays that they didn't know about before or something like that. No, but it is definitely some schematics and X and O stuff within just their, their flow game offense and how they're defending and all of those types of things. But it's really, if you're trying to like put a percentage on it or something like that, it's really difficult because it all works together. Sule boom, Sean Miller being a, expert motivational tactician and and X and O guy all at the same time as a head coach. Like it really all factors in together. And I think it's hard to really assess how much you assign to each category there. Yeah, that makes sense. And speaking about the offense, that was actually the other thing I had. So up until tonight, um, Xavier's offense had actually been a little more efficient without Fremantle. 
Um, anything you're seeing that they're doing differently without him from my side, it seems maybe just being a little slower tempo and taking a few more threes a game, but I don't know if you had anything that, that you were seeing that they were doing differently as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the improvement has been so incremental, so slight that really, I think if anything, it's probably a result of them playing so much better defensively that they're just getting some easier baskets. Like you're getting an extra run out or two a game or the other team just isn't a set because of a live ball turnovers. So you're getting a, an easier look in transition. I think it's a lot more that than anything because, I mean, the, the improvement on offense has been so slight. And to be quite honest with you, I think we would all agree that they're a less dynamic team on offense without Zach Freeman. Their, their numbers don't necessarily suggest that, but in reality, if you're asking opposing coaches – who have played on multiple times this year, once with Zach Freeman or once without, and you say, which was harder to match up with, they're going to say with Zach Freeman 100 out of 100 times. Like, there's there's no question about that. So I don't think it's that they're doing anything a lot better. I just think it's they played really well overall at the end of the season, even without Zach. And like I said, the defense has been a lot better, and that's led to some better opportunities on offense. Yeah, agreed. Uh, that's all I got. Appreciate it, Rick. All right, appreciate your call. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Xavier Way now, and if you want to call in, make sure you request in as well. It was a challenging effort by uh, Xavier. I was at a bar watching it uh, with 10 minutes left in the uh, first half. I decided to take a walk home, clear my head as we – it was a poor poor showing, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go home. I, I don't need to – I don't need to watch the end of this. My question is – is this a worse showing than the last time we were in the uh, uh, Big East Championship? Or what kind of showing do you think it was in terms of, like, who we had and that kind of stuff? It, it felt to me like we we had a better opportunity. Nova then felt like it was like, all right, maybe we get a shot at it. But here I thought we had a real opportunity, and it, it just we just kind of the bed. Yeah, I think that's where I would go with it. I I don't know which performance was worse, but this one felt much more doable. You go back to that 2015 game that you're talking about when they lost to Villanova. They lost by 17. The game didn't really even feel that close, but that was Josh Hart, the Villanova teams that were a real threat to win national championships. And maybe Marquette is that too, but I don't think we know that yet. I think we saw over the course of the year – the matchup between this Xavier team and this Marquette team was much closer than those years, the Xavier versus Villanova teams. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I, when I, we were coming into this, I was like, you know what? I don't think that we're going to come away and run with, run away with it. I, I, I was just hoping for like the – really, I was really excited because I thought we would have a UConn um, uh, Marquette kind of style game where it was – you know what? It's whoever scores the most points at the end of the game, and I was, I was like, you know what? I'm excited to watch that game, and yeah. you, you are, you get excited for it all day, and then it's just a huge letdown. Oh, yeah, that Marquette oh. Xavier game at Xavier was like what you're talking about, yeah. where they just were on full tilt both ends of the court for the first ten minutes of action, and it was incredible to watch, and really the whole game was really fun. But that's what I was hoping for. That's what I was settling in for about six twenty-five tonight, thinking all right, this is going to be great. There's three games on my TVs right now. This Xavier game is going to be incredible. And it just never got going. It was ugly from the start. I agree. And I, and I don't want to take up much more, but I just want to say, like, in terms of losses this season, 
I would say that like this one hurts the most, but I'm not like the most upset about it. That kind of thing. Like I, it, it doesn't seem more, it doesn't seem like a um, sky's falling kind of loss. Uh, whereas when you lose a Butler, you sky's falling. This is more of like, you know what? They're a good team. Let's move on. Let's go, and we we got we got bigger bigger fish to fry. And more. Yeah, well, I mean, and you have the whole third game in three days thing going on with this True. group and their short bench. I mean, I think everyone knew going into a Big East tournament scenario where you play three games in three days, that's going to be pretty difficult. That's why, like from the get go, it's like, well, they're probably locked into a four seed because the chances of them running the table here seem pretty unrealistic. Then all of a sudden, you get to last night and they have a blowout win over Creighton by twenty two points. You're thinking. Okay, maybe we spoke too soon on that. Like, maybe maybe this team is just on a on a real mission here. But yeah, I mean, it was always unlikely that they were going to be able to make that three game and three day run. And uh, the good news is now it's probably the easiest time of the year in terms of being able to rest. You have two games in a matter of three days, and then you have a week off in between them. True. And honestly, if we if we all looked up from uh, the but or the um, the Paul game on uh, thir- on Thursday. We'd be very happy where we are. So, yeah. Well, I mean, when you uh, have Selection that, Sunday a day away <laughs> after a loss like this, and you know you're going to be a top four seed, you can accept a bad loss. It's pretty easy to get past, I think. Agreed. Agreed. Especially when you've gotten this far, and we have got Sean Miller, and we believe in the the group we got. So I'm excited for for what's going to come. All right. Thanks, Xavier Way. No. Uh, John Carter, you're up. John, what's going on? Hey, what's up? Oh, man. Um, tough loss, of course, but uh, dude, I guess I'm ready for tomorrow. Um, what do you think about the Dayton question? I, uh, you want to see Dayton in the first round? I'll take Dayton. We'll spank that ass. I, no big no big deal. All right. Yeah. Right? Hell. Um, I'm just uh, – so I, I'm a uh, you know, season ticket holder. I did not uh, – so, you know, you have the opportunity to buy into the first round and then the second round, Sweet 16, is a separate deal. So I, uh, you know, just due to person, personal conflicts, could not uh, buy into the first round. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll make it past and, and go to the Sweet 16s. And I am locked in for wherever the hell we're going to be at. Uh, is there any uh, – yeah, I'm – I wouldn't say that I'm educated enough to to take a guess on where we're going to go. But So is there a good educated guess, or is it just really wide open at this uh, point? I think it's Greensboro or Orlando. So that would be the first right. round, right? right? And so looking at my situation, if we win two games – Greensboro or Orlando, where does that take us? Is it New York? I, I have no idea, John. For the Sweet Six. Yeah, I have like, no like if you go. Right, to- I, I get what you're asking. I understand the question. I just don't know the answer. Maybe so someone else will have it. All right, we'll go, we'll go to some more callers. Someone else will have the answer. Appreciate the call, John. All right, let's take it over to uh, Doug. Doug, what's going on? Hey. Hey, what's up, Rick? Um, so to add, answer the, uh, the question from. The guy was asking a moment ago, I forget his name, John, maybe? Yeah, John. I think it doesn't – the first round and second round sites would not tell you where the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 would be. 
So like you could go from Greensboro to New York City or you could also go to Green from Greensboro to Kansas City or from Greensboro to Vegas. I don't think it's right. There's no like correlation there. Exactly. To where you started. Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, And uh, jumping around Dayton. um, I will say Dayton, not a bad matchup for Xavier. Dayton basically has no guards. Um, So like, you know, you're not walking into the Emoja Gibson situation. Uh, They just have a bunch of dudes who are really tall. So they are, they can give you some uh, problems around the rim and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, X's nose standpoint, I, I wouldn't hate Dayton. Um, but, you know, as I was, I was thinking about that, a, a shiver went down my spine, just as the shiver went down my spine when I think of the last game that Sean Miller coached in the NCAA tournament was as a four seed, losing to a 13 seed. Um, similar shiver down the spine. But nonetheless, um, turning to positive things, um, I have a few positive things um, because I want to, you know, exude some positive vibes here. One is, like, as you said, the like three games in three get three days is tough, no matter who you are. But I think it's especially tough for teams that have short bench, uh, like Xavier does. They go what six deep, um, seven if you want to count um, Edwards. But even look at today, like look around the rest of college basketball. This isn't like a Xavier problem and like expand the lens a bit. Um, KU, uh, Kansas, very short bench. They didn't even get to 60 today in the Big 12 title game. Um, Virginia, short bench after they lost a couple guys, including Vanderplus. They got they got tonied in the first half, so they didn't even get to 20 in the first half. And they're getting blown out by UVA standards. You know, they're down nine which is a blowout in UVA standards. So teams with a short bench, three days and three days, really tall task. And I think that, you know, Xavier's on that list too. Yeah, and I think I think we all knew that going in, right? Like th- this didn't come as a surprise that they didn't show well for the third game in three days. The only thing that really was the big surprise was how well they played last night after the struggles against DePaul. The fact that they were so good last night, I think kind of screwed with everyone's head to think like, geez, are they just – really catching fire here at the right time. But regardless, I mean, one, Marquette was always going to be a difficult matchup. And two, Xavier was clearly lethargic and not sharp to start the game. So whether that's fatigue or what have you setting in, uh, I mean, they just had no chance. Yeah, the pace was super slow. I, I, I think I, te- I was texting some folks, like, you were, you're 10 minutes into the game and they were on pace for like a 55-possession game, which, you know, if you're not into deep analytics, that is like – glacial that is uva is is running a faster pace than that that would be the slowest paced team in the country and like xavier was basically just walking it up every time as opposed to this year they're 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 the hallmark of their offense is running up the the court playing with pace you know reversing the floor second side all that they weren't doing really any of that in the first 10 minutes of the game and then they kind of started to wake up a little bit but yeah took a while yeah, I, I thought I thought the the lack of pace was kind of telling with the way the game started. Yeah, um, but b- more positivity of um, I realized that after the at the under eight timeout, Xavier was down twenty points. Um, I realized that, but nonetheless, if you look at it at from that point forward, so the final twenty eight minutes of the game. They held Marquette to um, 0.74 points per possession. So that's you know, one of the five best offenses in the country, holding them to that. And I realized Marquette was essentially checked out, um, but nonetheless, 
pretty good. And you stack that against what they did last night against Creighton. Those are two consecutive games where they played. <laughs> you, you put those together. That's out of the 80 minutes they played, um, what, 80 minus eight. So 72 minutes of, uh, or 80 minus 12. So 68 minutes of really good defense. Um, but yeah, the other 12 minutes were about as bad as you can possibly get. Yeah, I think the hard part of selling that to fans is going to be what you laid out. They're just going to say, well, when you're up by 20, nothing really matters at that point, right? Like everyone's just going to be playing open gym. Yeah, and I, saw, I see Paul's in here. Paul said the same thing to Sean about half an hour ago, and Sean uh, dismissed it pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, and I mean, that's – I think that's right. I mean, like I, I get your point, but I think ultimately when you get down by that much, almost nothing matters at that point from even an efficiency perspective. That game just wasn't a real game after you get down by 20-something points in the first half, so – it, it yeah. kind of is what it is. It, it becomes a throwaway game in a lot of ways, I think. But there was some real progress made on the defensive end just over the final few weeks of the season. We definitely saw that last night in the semifinals. So the fact that they're – like, I think that was a, a continuation of a trend that we've seen. It, it wasn't like it was an outlier performance that you're trying to sell us on. Like, hey, maybe there's reason to believe they're all of a sudden making a miraculous improvement on defense. It's like, no, that defensive performance we saw – in the second half and the final minutes of the first half was kind of who they've been over the last few weeks of the season, really. Yeah. And the other thing too, on like the three games and three, three days thing, I, I, I haven't looked at the NCAA schedule in a while, but I don't think they played three games in three days. So I'm pretty sure that's, uh, they're keeping that rule intact this year. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. And, you know, as you saw yesterday, they played pretty well on a second game in two nights. I think they'll be okay for a second game in three days which is what you do in the NCAA tournament. So I, I'm not worried about, oh, geez, the lack of depth that's going to be an issue next weekend or two weeks from now. Yeah, exactly. That, that's been my take the whole time. And I, I think that played itself out and, and completely eliminated that narrative last night. I, I don't think there's really any concern about fatigue limiting this team's upside going forward. Yeah, I agree. All right, I'll get out of here. I'll, hopefully Paul is alive and not getting hit by a cab. Here, so <laughs> All right. get in. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> See ya. All right, let's go to uh, Paul Fritchner, who is in New York City. All right, you got me this time. I got you, Paulie. Right. Where are you at? Madison Square Garden still? I I am not. I'm across the street in my hotel room for uh, for just a second here. So this is much better than wandering the streets of New York City like I was last night. We were concerned about your safety. Yes. No, I will be wandering the streets in about three minutes, but uh, I wanted to kind of check in. I mean, Doug hit most of the things that uh, – I listened to Doug's whole call there. Right? He hit most of the things that um, – you know, that I was going to say, I, I just, they were dead, Rick. They were dead. Like, that game was over in the first three minutes of the game. They just, I was Sean said in the post-game press conference that, that Sule was working through an, an upper respiratory issue. I mean, they just, they were dead. Oh, you I, mean th- that hacking that he was doing and the snot coming yeah. out of his nose and everything yeah. else during last night's post-game press conference wasn't a mirage? He was yeah. actually yeah. ill? Yeah, I mean, they just uh, – the only life that really they showed was the last three minutes of the game when it was, uh, you know, they brought it back within, what, 13? And you're thinking, well, okay, you know, you hit a couple threes here. No, maybe. no, we weren't thinking that, Paul. Stop it. No one was thinking that. You're, you're no. the only person in America that was thinking no, that. No, I was, was not thinking it either. I'm saying that's the only time that even in the building there was any, like, 
anybody was standing up for there was any life. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I can't believe that even happened. I thought most of the Xavier fans would have been uh, either too drunk to care or had left the building at that point. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough way to go. But obviously this team, the way they played this weekend, I said at the beginning of the show that, for me, this would do nothing but provide some optimism heading into next week in the NCAA tournament. The way they played the past few days, we knew three games in three days was going to be too much for this team. No one really expected them to win a Big East championship. The fact that they got there was pretty impressive. And the way that they played last night gives me the feeling that maybe their ceiling is every bit as high without Zach Freebanel as it was with him. Because I'm not sure that they can play any better, regardless of who's on the court, than what they did last night against Creighton. No, I'm with you. And, and I think you made a great point there where you said maybe last night was a tough mirage where they play as well as they did and then now come back and lay a clunker like this that all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, wait, 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 hold on a second. Are we going to see the same thing on Saturday night? And then, no, you know, not, not to be. Paul, did you hear the caller earlier that brought up the idea Uh-oh. of Xavier being a four seed and playing 13-seeded Dayton if Dayton pulls off the championship win tomorrow in the Atlantic 10. So I would be lying if I didn't say that my one of my best friends um, went to Dayton and I texted him that exact same thing when he texted me the box score earlier today. Yeah, I, I texted him. I said the exact same thing because they'd be at 13, right? There's That's... no way, There's no way the NCAA would be that transparent about setting up a matchup, right? Oh, I think they absolutely will. I think they would love to do that. Oh, they would love to. But, I mean, for everybody that says forever that, you know, uh, all they do is is create the match, do you, do you really think they would do that in the first round? Yes, I don't think they deny that they try to do that. I think they like those types of storylines, the, the made-for-TV storylines. I think they would do everything they could to stretch and make that fit if it's a possibility. And Oh, my God. Looking could, at you it, ima- could you imagine if they went back to Orlando? And did the whole thing from 2016 over again, 2015? Oh, Paul, oh, Paul, you missed it. We were already talking about Mario probably has the Big East Nate Royal Blue quarter zips on order. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, and I've, they've beaten VCU this year. It's so. going to be all. It's going to be the Advocare Invitational all over again. It, it will. And Dayton is such a – I mean, I, I look, I don't need to go down a road of Dayton. This is Xavier's show. But Dayton's so hit or miss. I mean, they, there are nights when you think they could – win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. And then like most other nights, they're, they're nothing. So God, well, that and, and Doug was just in here talking about their lack of guard play, making them a, a good matchup for Xavier as well. Yeah. They have the Ron Holmes. Um, Tamani Kamara has had a good year, but I, I don't both I don't big men. Yeah. I yeah. don't think, I don't think Dayton would be a, they, they wouldn't necessarily scare me if I was a Xavier fan looking at the bracket, as far as a matchup goes when, you know, you and I talk about who would be a good matchup in the first and second games of this uh, of this tournament. But, God, that would be hilarious if it was Dayton in Orlando again. That um, would uh, get some fans riled up. And I yeah. think there's no doubt that Sele- Selection Committee would love to make it happen. The thing is, you need Dayton to actually follow through and win. So, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think this team, I don't know which – I think I know Orlando is a Thursday. I, I think Greensboro is a Thursday, too. God, this team could really use a Friday Sunday. You know, give that one extra day. I, I yeah. don't know. I just think coming off of this. Well, I had one more thing though for you, Rick. Before um, before I hop off of here, did you did you when when you look at this tournament and, and then you talk about you know depth or and and the 
and the fatigue issues going into next week. This team hasn't played in the NCAA tournament. You know, these guys like Colby and everybody else. And as far as just the environment of the tournament and the pressure of the winner go home and all of that, um, how – I don't really know how to ask this, but how do you or do you read it all into uh, this team like having no experience in the tournament and now having to go do that coming off of this and how much maybe this helped in a in a situation like that having to turn back around because it's on one hand on one hand you have it, it's easier in a in a scenario like this because you know the other teams right that it's all Big East teams you're not preparing for uh, Dayton and then Miami you know Miami Florida you're, you're not preparing it's different on 48 hours rest but do you think there's anything to that because I don't know. I, I just have no idea because as, as Xavier's never gone through a drought like this. Um, so I, I just don't really know how to read into it. I think that I would be a lot more concerned about it had Xavier dropped that quarterfinals game to DePaul. Because then I think you get into just start questioning, is there something wrong with this core group in big moments handling the spotlight? being yeah. able to handle the high-pressure games because of what's happened to them in the past. And, and I'm not saying DePaul is the same as a first-round game of the NCAA tournament, but the fact that they were able to handle that, they handled business and, and absolutely smacked Creighton around in the semifinals, we all know this is going to be new for these guys, and it's, uh, it's a different atmosphere when you get to the NCAA tournament. A lot of teams deal with that every single year, unless you're one of those teams that are fortunate to go to the NCAA tournament every single year. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's like going to be too unique to Xavier. And for me, I don't think it's a big concern because of what they showed this weekend. Now, had it been different, had they lost to DePaul and choked that game away, then maybe I'd have a different answer, I think. But the way this played out, I, I feel pretty good about this team going in. Well, and that was the point that I made to you, I think, on our preview uh, show for this week was it felt like Xavier just needed to get that monkey off their back, win the first game, and then – and he, from there, it looked like all that pressure was off. And, look, and then look at what they did last night. Now, I know they didn't come through and win it tonight, but Marquette's also, you know, they were the number one team in the Big East for a reason. So, um, I, and God, credit to Marquette defensively, how much better they've gotten over there. Yeah, they were years. awesome. I mean, yeah. credit credit to them because they were, the, you know, you talk about Xavier and having their defensive issues. It was the same. Xavier and Marquette defensively, or just as a team, you know, in general, where with two very good offenses and two very lackluster defenses, like credit to Marquette. I mean, that was Xavier's lowest scoring game of the season by 12 points. Five times this year, Xavier has scored uh, 50 or more and a half. They scored 51 in the game. Three times this year, Xavier has scored more points and a half than they had tonight in the entire game. That's a wild stat. Wild. And don't you think, with a coach like Shaka Smart, who's always been known for his defense, and he's always had good defensive teams, don't you look at that and say, if he gets a team that can really play offense and he caters it to more skilled players and he runs a more open system that allows for a, a tougher offense to guard to where they can really score it, don't you think that you you have faith that he could coach up the defensive side just like he's done this year? He's completely changed his mindset. He's gone to a more offensive-minded approach with their system and clearly with their players running everything through a guy like Tyler Kolek. And look what it's done for them. And look what he's been able to do on the defensive side late in the season, even though that wasn't a strength for them originally. 
Yeah, and you think back to his time at, at VCU and the havoc and everything else, and and uh, it was that was always the pressure. It was always the intensity, and now all of a sudden you're reinventing yourself more so as an offensive uh, team and everything else. And now, 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 as as you approach the end of the year and you get here to the Big East tournament, I I just want to see him do it in the NCAA tournament because the yeah. big, the Big East. I mean, to be quite honest. Without Villanova being who they are and kind of being the torchbearer for the tur- for the uh, conference, Big East has got to step up in the NCAA tournament. They got to send a couple teams to the Sweet 16, and they can. I mean, Marquette is a viable Final Four team, but they've had some good teams. You look at Creighton, you look at Marquette, you look, look at some of these teams in years past that have been really, really good. And we have sat here on Saturday night. I've walked out of Madison Square Garden, and we've been talking about teams that can really do some damage in March, and all of a sudden it's Villanova, and nah, that's about it. And I, I think the Big East – I think this is a big year for the Big East to prove a lot um, in that regard. That's the challenge for every Big East team not named Villanova because of what the recent records suggest but especially for a team like Marquette because they've had their early exits. They've had their disappointments. Not those weren't with Shaka smart for the most part, but um, it it still is something that's been their MO in recent years since the new big East form. So they've definitely got to answer the bell in that regard in the NCAA tournament. And so do the rest of the teams in the big East aside from Villanova. And until they do, and they start making regular runs, that's going to be the storyline every single year as you lead up to March madness. So you want to feel old for a second, Rick, before I let you go? I feel old every day, Paul. Okay, well, I was in eighth grade when Shaka Smart went to the Final Four with VCU. And I was on an eighth grade field trip at the Virginia State House when VCU was honored that day, just by chance. We were sitting up in the rafters, and they said, you know, before we get to everything, you know, for the day. And then there, here comes Shaka Smart walking in. He's got his bit. I mean, back then, he had a whole lot more hair than, uh, you know, or no, he had le- No, he, he had a shaved head. Yeah, he had shaved head. Now he's got the hair. Other way around. Looked very different. Either way, God, full circle. Now, what, 12, 12 years later? I, I, I was walking by him going, eighth grade, eighth grade Paul looked at, uh, looked at this man a whole lot differently than now uh, 12 years later. That story, yeah. went, no, that story means nothing to anybody else in here except to make you feel a little older, Rick. I, I appreciate that. Now you're in New York City staring him down in post-game <laughs> press conferences. So. <laughs> All right, Rick. I'll let you guys go, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. What? All right. Actually, where where do we think they uh, – what do you think tomorrow? Four seed and – Four seed Greensboro. Yep, that's that's the vibe I, I got from everybody that I asked here tonight. So It's that or Orlando, it sounds like, and, you know, so a 50-50 chance. All right, seven-hour drive. I'll be in the car on uh, Wednesday afternoon. Marketing Paul. Yeah, all right. Selling yeah. tickets. All right, see you, Paul. See you, Rick. All right, we'll go Cap X, then Chives. Cap, what's going on? Rick, how the hell are we? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Rick, I'm doing great. I would like to just show some love to the new uh, Spaces Legend, Doug, which is just such a great name to be a Spaces Legend. Spaces Legend, Doug. New legend. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Paul brought some good points. It's just one of those f-ing nights. I have to ask you this, Rick. Do you think that the players were sending a message to the university administration that we don't want to be a royal, a royal blue school? I don't think there's any question that was directed right at either president (laughs) Hanish or the Xavier Newswire, whichever was responsible for that conundrum. 
I thought the exact same thing. That had to be what it is. I mean, when Snowy Broom gets wide open threes and just, you know, bricks them, that's got, that, there's no other explanation. You eliminate all of the possibilities and whatever's left has to be the truth. I, I think that's right. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're spot on. Uh, and and uh, aside from Xavier, what do you think about uh, Marquette against your Norse in the two fifteen game? I think it's pretty unlikely that NKU is going to be the fifteen. Think I think they're fourteen. No, I think they're probably going to end up as the top sixteen seed. You think uh, they're a sixteen? I do. Uh, not not in the play in game, but I. But I think they'll be a 16 right. seed. Uh, th- looking at the teams that are right above them right now in bracket matrix, like you start with UNC Asheville, who's the team directly ahead of them, the last 15 seed. They're like 27 and five with a quad one win. And like NKU doesn't have that and they have a worse record. So it would seem like it'd be tough to to make a case for NKU being over those those teams on the 15 seed line. Is there a one seed you like? Like I like my chances against these guys. Um, I how hurt was Marcus Sasser after today? <laughs> I mean, I hate to say that, but like that, but but, but well, honestly, Houston would be the team I'd least want to see. I think from a matchups perspective, that's um, so true. Is there a chance there's any indictments on the way in Alabama? Like maybe that could make. You'd be everyone's darling against Alabama. Everyone would be rooting for number. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I guess like as crazy as this sounds from a matchup perspective, I guess Kansas. I mean, is there, is there a chance yeah. they're getting knocked off the, the one seed line after today? I doubt it. I was thinking the same thing. And then, Rick, give me Dayton. I mean, you want to do it? it? Absolutely run it up. No question about it. Give it to me every single day, twice on Sunday. All right. You think Sean Miller's going to come back to Xavier in the Big East and lose no. the first round as a no. no. No chance. No, he is going to – if Xavier's up by 10 – going into halftime he's going to rip into every single player there's no way Xavier wins by less than 16 in that game no way I can't argue with that honestly I have no good rebuttal to that give it to me every single day it's a no-brainer give it give it to me I need it (laughs) I need I would I would be I would feel better than that than any other 13 seed so Greensboro Rick that's in North Carolina this is what they tell me okay 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 and we won't play three games in a row in three days also another thing that they tell me can't confirm, but we feel yeah. Neither confirm nor deny, but this is what they say. I well, I appreciate you. Thank you for uh, for consoling me. I don't have really much of substance to say, as you can tell. I've been stalling for about five minutes, just saying a bunch of bullshit. But but I mean, what can you say though? I mean, Sule Boom missing wide open threes. He was uh, apparently sick. It just wasn't our night. And Marquette's a fucking wagon. Let's be honest. Excuse yeah. my French. Marquette's really freaking good. I think it was. I think it was their time. I mean, Capex is on here. He's going to speak some French. Um, it, it was their time. Marquette was the better team all season. They had the best player. Unfortunately, you don't look at him. I'm like, this guy sucks. And you see his like top three list, like Zach Efron and all this bullshit like dude sucks but he can play some ball but it, w- it was Marquette's time I mean they were the better team they've been the better team all season Cap, what can you say? I'm, I'm just gonna remove you right now before I even say before you even say anything else but I, I just gotta say right as you were starting to say you didn't have much else to say and I thought you were wrapping up your call there I was thinking this is so nice I'm not gonna have to edit much during Cap's call tonight because he hasn't cussed much and then you drop four cuss words in a matter of 12 seconds I mean what why are you doing this to me? It's it's a late night. Three days in a row we've been doing these these post-game shows. And three nights in a row I have to edit your call 15 times because you uh, are out here cussing these streets. And we don't want Lincoln, my guy Lincoln, was on here last night having to listen to your profanity. Jesus H. All right, let's go to uh, Kai. for Kai, thanks for uh, hanging on before and, and requesting back in. What's up? Okay, for starters, I think CapEx was preaching it up big time, 100%. 
everything was correct that he said. This is uh, he, he look. And, he's he's making great points. He's making great points. I just like exactly. help me out a little bit with the uh, extraneous f bombs. You know. Exactly, and I know it's a little confusing, but the name is Ky, not Ka. But it's oh, I apologize. I'll give you that. It's all good. It's all good. But to start to answer the Dayton question, I think, of course, you want Dayton. you got to beat them up one last time like you did before. I'd much rather have them than like a Yale or Lafayette who we don't care about. So uh, there's that. And, I mean, Tyler Kulik, I just hate the guy. I just hate the guy. That's understandable, but the dude is a savage. I mean, he completely makes that system go without being a dominant scorer. He's fun to watch. I understand why you hate him. Sounds like that didn't go over well. I apologize. Okay, why did I lose you? All right, well, it sounds like I lost you. Appreciate the call. Love your jelly. And that's that's all I have. Uh, if if you want to get back in, I'll do the 10-second thing again here. You can request in to end the show here. Uh, but I want to bring up the fact that on musketeerreport.com right now, if you're not subscribed, we have a 50% off sale going on. You can get a premium VIP subscription for a year, 50% off. If you've been thinking about trying it, if you like shows like this, if you want to see more Xavier content that goes even beyond this and and want to support that, please sign up. This allows me to continue doing things like this. And um, I appreciate all of you that have signed up and that have helped spread the word. I saw some of the tweets that you sent out last night as you were listening to this. That was awesome, um, and it really helped me out. So Xavier Nation has requested back in real quick. If any of you other people want to get in here, we'll take one or two more before we wrap it up. Xavier Nation, what's up? Yeah, Rick, I was just going to speak on your behalf and plug you for anyone that hasn't subscribed. Also, probably uh, Rick will, because he always does have a really awesome uh, tournament matchup breakdown uh, leading up to the first round game, because we're going to be playing a team that we probably don't know too much about in the first round, but Rick will break it down for us. So we'll have a good idea what we're getting ourselves into. So definitely subscribe. to Appreciate it. That, that uh, really helps me out. And you know, the tweets that you guys have sent out do too. I I mean, it really, it it does more than anything else in terms of increasing those sales and, and making this a, a real possibility. Hopefully I won't have to get another real job. We'll just keep doing the basketball stuff year round. We'll do this thing all the time and uh, we'll continue to hang out. So Uh, That's all I've got in terms of calls. Appreciate you guys stopping in. The final score from tonight's Big East Championship game, Marquette 65, Xavier 51. The Musketeers will very likely be a four seed tomorrow when the brackets are revealed on the selection show. We uh, will talk to you sometime after then. I think maybe we'll do another Spaces tomorrow night probably, a little Selection Sunday show Spaces. I'll have to coordinate the timing on that because I'll be over at NKU hosting their Selection Sunday watch party. So. We'll talk later on tomorrow night, but uh, tune into Twitter and the musketeerreport.com message boards for an update on when we'll go live tomorrow night. Thanks, guys.